Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is now truly a new political year with a Republican-controlled House of Representatives and a new speaker, Kevin McCarthy. Over the weekend, we've learned a lot about what four days of hard bargaining by the group of Freedom Caucus members means for the Republican conference and for America. The reformers won, and they won important victories. Andy Biggs of Arizona, who led the group of reformers who transformed fundamentally the way the Congress will conduct the people's business over the next two years. First, the corporate media and the establishment and the Marxist Dems were absolutely hyperbolic, and their hair was on fire throughout the entire week, crying chaos, claiming the reformers were embarrassing, foolish, and they were dangerous, of course. And the media, no line Pauls and Republican Pauls, lobbyists and the donor class, all hysterically screaming that Biggs and the reformers were risking the speakership being stolen by the Marxist Dems, and even that the republic itself might collapse. No, you Marxist Dems and you rhino collaborators, what did happen is that Congress now will be more representative. Each congressman will have more influence and even time to read legislation before they vote on it. Imagine that. And much of the speaker's powers will devolve to the members and bills will no longer be rammed through that they haven't read, and conservatives will be on the powerful rules committee now. A select subcommittee will be created to investigate the weaponization of the federal government, and also the motion to vacate will be restored, which means any one member of Congress now can call a vote of no confidence in the Speaker of the House. That is an essential return to traditional constraints on the Speaker's power. Every American should be celebrating what Andy Biggs and his band of courageous, principled conservatives achieved by standing up for their values, the nation, and we the people. And yes, Kevin McCarthy should be saluted for agreeing to all those reforms. Well done, Congressman Biggs and all your colleagues in the Freedom Caucus and the last standing six. You, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, and Matt Rosendell. Credit goes as well to Dan Bishop, Joff Breachin, Mike Cloud, Andy Clyde, Byron Donalds, Paul Gosar, Andy Harris, Anna Paulina Luna, Mary Miller, Ralph Norman, Andy Ogles, and Scott Perry, Chip Roy, Keith Self, and Victoria Sparks. Those folks, my friends, made history last week. They changed history. And now the House Republicans must make a lot of changes for the better, for the republic which is now theirs to save. Godspeed. And that new subcommittee I mentioned is one of the most important changes and reforms and creations. Under the Judiciary Committee, that subcommittee is charged with investigating the weaponization of the federal government against our citizens. It will have wide-ranging powers. It will be investigating the federal government investigators all ongoing criminal investigations, 
and it will have access to all classified documents under the Intelligence Committee. All of that means their reach extends to the intelligence community as well. It's likely that that new subcommittee will be investigating the FBI and DOJ's illegal activities, including spying on our guest today, and as well, Intel Committee Chairman at the time, Devin Nunes, and other members of the House Intel Committee and staff several years ago. Our guest is a Center for Renewing America's Cash Patel, top national security official under President Trump. High postings at the Department of Defense, the National Security Council, and Department of Justice. Well, Cash, let's take up the revelations that the, the DOJ and the FBI was spying on the Nunes Intel Committee. And first, what can you tell us about this claim that the CIA director, Gina Haspel, and her entire top staff were to resign en masse if President Trump had fired her? You know, Lou, it's, it, I haven't really talked about this before, and I'm glad to talk about it with you um, on your great program. It's to me, Lou, if you just, you know, it's not about me and you take away my name from it. It shows you how defiant the deep state was and how willing they were to break the Constitution and the chain of command from the commander in chief because they saw it fit personally to disband with the rules of justice and the law because they didn't personally like you. And of course, this information comes from none other than Alyssa Farah. Uh, another one that I identify as a government gangster, the title of my upcoming book, um, mm -hmm. who came out, you know, with her extensive, of course, career with what Intel in operations and policy. <laughs> I, you know, I forget where. But anyway, she she is supposedly have these sources at the CIA that said if I were given a senior level position, they would they would quit. Lou, that would have been a win for America because those were the very people that were blocking President Trump's agenda. They were just led by Gina Haspel, who happened to be the director. <laughs> And yeah. when the president asked me to, to to help facilitate and clean house over there, I said, you can put me in whatever role you want. It's just me walking in that building is going to get rid of the problem. And uh, I think in retrospect, now we see that you either do what the commander in chief says in terms of national security or you get shown the door. And uh, this is a this is an example of the deep state rising up and unfortunately winning at the time. Uh, winning and I, and and honestly, Cash, as I as I read the uh, this the original reporting on this, I thought to myself, "There's got to be something wrong uh, here <laughs> in, in the context," uh, because the Trump administration, under assault by the deep state from every quarter, the intelligence community, FBI, DOJ, uh, the judiciary. Uh, as well as obviously the Marxist Dems who are running this this mm -hmm. presidency and uh, the Democratic Party, uh, there to have this happen at that particular moment was to me in and of itself madness. And I looked and I thought back to that period, and I'm talking uh, with various people in the administration, and there was seemingly no comprehension. Uh, mm -hmm. from one department to the other of the Trump administration about what was at stake in the executive itself. Uh, is that a misapprehension, a misconception on my part? Or is that no, you're one of the few people who gets it and who's willing to report the truth and look like in any other administration. Yeah, of course, there was some opposition internally, but this was not internal opposition. This was outright rebellion. And 
you know, it shocks me that I guess it doesn't really shock me anymore, Lou, to see the mainstream media right. parroting this around. I mean, the things that, you know, I'm a national security guy. President Trump said, whatever roles you're put in in my administration, you need to do the following. Secure the board, defeat the cartels, take out all the terrorists, bring them home American hostages and end the forever wars and build a wall. I mean, what's political about any one of those lines of efforts? And the, everywhere I went, whether it was DOD or the White House or the intel community or what have you, or if I was over at CIA, that was the mission. And the reason that Gina Haspel was going to be shown the door is because the, myself and the director of national intelligence, Johnny Ratcliffe, caught her lying to the commander in chief, flat out. You know, very what was sensitive the lie? Meeting. It was, you know, it relates to a very sensitive operation we were working on. And, you know, it almost doesn't even matter what the operation was. It was the fact that the director of the CIA lied flat out to the president of the United States and she got caught. And when she got caught and was gonna be shown the door, she broke down in tears and went begging to the vice president, uh, Mike Pence at the time, who went in and reversed and convinced President Trump to reverse his decision. And just for clarification, I was gonna be named the deputy director uh, over at the CIA, which probably would have prompted Herbert to resign. but. That, you know, neither here nor there, whether she stayed or not, I would have done the mission because all these people cared about was their next landing platform or their next job or their next. I didn't care about any of it. We were going to run through the echo of the whistle, as we say, uh, in my universe and in, uh, in hockey and in national security. And, um, you know, we were we only had a couple of months left. I'm, I'm ballparking that the amount of time. But you'd be amazed how much you can get done if you have an entire apparatus in the intelligence community willing to focus on the lines of effort that I outlined. And. And it's tragic and un-American that these people were not willing to focus on doing the job of intel collection to support the commander in chief's policy direction to achieve those efforts to make America secure. That should be the news. But of course, it's not. If I may, I'm going to jump around just a little bit here because yeah. I think it's important for everyone to understand uh, from your perspective what the current intelligence community is doing. Uh, what are they doing in terms of uh, terrorism? What are they doing in terms of, as as best you understand, uh, mm -hmm. China, uh, Russia, Europe, Africa, across the whole portfolio of critical issues that face this country, uh, Afghanistan, India, mm -hmm. Pakistan, the, mm -hmm. the Middle East, of course, uh, all, the, as you said, all that your mission would have been would be to secure the nation. It had it had nothing to do with politics, but it seems in this administration everything is political. They, they yeah, if you allow me, they they have completely politicized the national security apparatus. It's one of the main themes of my book. That um, we went in there and did the did the we put the mission first, as I always said. We didn't care about the media, and I could care less about the personal attacks. And you just outlined it beautifully, Lou. In the intel community, in the national security arena, in the apparatus, the president has to identify what we call tier one collection efforts. Everything you just said, Afghanistan, Pakistan, terrorism, drugs, the border, was for President Trump a tier one collection priority from an intelligence perspective. Only the president has the authority to change that because we only have so much bandwidth to be able to secure intelligence and then execute operations based on that to say, go save a hostage or go kill a terrorist or go wind down a forever war. And what this administration does, as you said, is politicize the national security apparatus. They have taken those tier one collection priorities and instead, and I'm not kidding when I say the following, Lou, they have made the weather 
a tier one collection priority. And what I mean by that is climate change. The Department of Defense, I will give you the harshest example you can imagine. The only no-fail mission on God's green earth is the DOD, where I was chief of staff. The first, what we call concept of operation, CONOPS, um, at the DOD, which is the big paperwork that moves the machine. You would think the DOD would move the machine for Afghanistan, for terrorists, for drugs, for hostages, etc. No, Joe Biden and Lloyd Austin's first concept of operation for the Department of Defense was on climate change. The DOD cared more about where the sun rose and sat than securing our Americans in Afghanistan and providing our soldiers with what they needed so they wouldn't be killed with a disastrous withdrawal under Joe Biden. That is the ultimate politicization of national security. And I said I was going to jump around. Uh, Gina Haspel, when she persuaded Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, to to make an entreaty uh, with President Trump to to salvage her her uh, her job, her career, uh, what was her reaction? How did she manage that? Uh, did she was there a, a, a an apology? Was there a correction of the record? What ensued? Uh, that gave uh, gave the commander in chief the room to say, "Okay, we will stay with a, we will stay with you and abandon our previous uh, plan." You know, that's a conversation that somebody needs to ask Mike Pence because I wasn't a part of uh, the weeping affair that uh, ensued after uh, my possibility of being deputy director. She went uh, alone to Mike Pence, and I know that thereafter he went to the president. So I don't know what has happened. Um, and I don't know what words were exchanged, but whatever it was, was sufficient to um, to reverse course. And and, you know, normally I'd say that's fine. You know, there's always an exchange between governments and agencies and departments. And that's a healthy conversation. It's one of the things I respected most about President Trump. You could talk about whatever issue it was, healthcare, national security, education, what have you. And he would get the opinions from a wide array of people, which is what you want your commander in chief doing. Sure. Uh, the problem, the problem was his deputies, his VP and others were in it to politicize the apparatus and contravene the orders and directions of their commander in chief because they were in it to glorify their own ego. Gina Haspel, Rod Rosenstein, Esper, Millie, Chris Ray. Uh, Bill Barr, the list goes on. I mean, these people who I all call government gangsters, and I cite them by name in my book. God bless you. They, they, somebody's got to do it. And so there is a glossary when this book releases of every single government gangster in the executive branch that served in the Trump administration, because these are the people who America needs to know failed a duly elected president to execute the mission they put him in the White House to do. So God willing, when he goes back in two years, it doesn't repeat itself. She, in point of fact, uh, you know, subverted uh, the president in a number of ways and mm -hmm. that agency, CIA, the CIA I'm referring to. Uh, and she had possession of the so-called Nunez memo at CIA. <laughs> yeah. and, and in and of itself, for if no other reason, if there were no other reason on God's green earth to put you in to that role at the CIA, that alone would have been uh, an extraordinary gift to the Republic. Tell us we, about yeah. tell tell Sorry. us about first of all the memo, 
and how important it was about the origins of uh, all that was to follow, by the way. I, I mean, it was a foundational uh, uh, document uh, explaining the, what had happened uh, in the Russian collusion uh, scandal. Uh, the scandal was that of the U.S. deep state, deep uh, state of the federal government. Mm -hmm. So if you would tell us the name of that memo, its contents, and what what followed. Well, it's called the Nunes memo, but Lou, I like to call it the cash memo, as Devin and I joke about. Now, as you know, I was Amen, Devin's... <laughs> Amen brother. <laughs> I was Devin's uh, chief investigator on Russiagate. It was, you know, it was one of the greatest jobs I ever had, and the amount of trust he put in me was really, um, really impressive, and, and it's a testament to him. But if you haven't read it, and honestly, Lou, a lot of people, even those that watch your great show, because they were lied to for so long by the lamestream media, they don't even know that it's a four-page memo that we put together in the heart of Russiagate where we took the FBI's own documentation and the FBI's own testimony to me under oath in Congress. And we said, this is what happened. This is how you lied to a federal court. This is how the DNC and Hillary campaign came in and bought a foreign operative for fake intelligence. And this is how you, the FBI, accepted it knowing it was false and how James Comey and McCabe and Strzok and Priestap and all the other creatures, government gangsters came out and hugged this thing so harshly because they wanted to defeat Donald Trump. It is the quintessential document, the Nunes memo. It's four pages. You can read it in literally 15 minutes. Um, and it's not our in evidence. It's the FBI DOJ's own words. That's what makes it so powerful. And as I've always said, all roads lead back to Russiagate. And the reason that you know I wanted to get over there um, to the CIA and elsewhere was to help you know the declassification process, which Gina Haspel had put a harsh stop to. And why would you think she would do that, Lou? Do you know who was the chief of station for the CIA in the United Kingdom when the Russiagate hoax broke? Gina Haspel. Why is that important? The FBI, we now know it's in the Nunes memo. The FBI went to the Brits and conducted an operation on foreign soil to entrap one of the people in Trump world um, to falsely get him to commit uh, to the Russiagate hoax. All of that is now public. The only way an operation like that occurs on foreign soil is with the agreement and direction and authorization of the chief of station, Gina Haspel. She was in it on Russiagate from jump. She continued to withhold the documents with Rod Rosenstein and Chris Ray, And that is why she wanted to bear hug it till the very end because she knew if she made it and limped through the Trump administration, her exposure would never be exposed. And I'm calling on this Congress, the people you and I trust to go in there and get the documentation and demand why it was that she was ever made CIA director in the first place when she was just as culpable in the Russiagate hoax as Rod Rosenstein, as Chris Ray, as uh, James Comey, Andy McCabe, Peter Strzok, and the list goes on. This is Gina Haspel. This is the Nunes memo. You got to read it. And hey, it's the new year. All roads lead to Russiagate. Go watch the plot against the president if you have no idea what I'm talking about. You need to take 90 minutes and educate yourself because I'm telling you, where all this Twitter stuff is going is the same corrupt actors at the FBI politicizing national security and law enforcement and making it an extension of the Democratic Party, just like they did in Russiagate. And it's, it's, the story is so vast, so deep. The actions of the mm -hmm. principal uh, parties in this uh, had such an extraordinary impact and lasting impact that today not a single person has been held to account mm -hmm. 
Uh, we know the names of some of the actors uh, from the, uh, if you will, uh, smaller parts to the, to the largest and uh, most powerful. Mm-hmm. And yet nothing is being acceded to by the corporate, and I'll call them, I used to call them corporate America, but corporate globalist media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who refused uh, to not, to, to in any way assign responsibility, uh, blame, uh, and to hold them accountable. It's interesting that the Washington Post and the New York Times have ultimately uh, uh, acknowledged that the that the reporting of the New York Post, which broke the story of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop, was a mm-hmm. real story. Mm-hmm. But there are so many real stories, quote unquote, uh, in in what is RussiaGate, the origins of the effort to overthrow the president of the United States. Uh, for a period of now six over six years that it's it's remarkable they're they're we're not even holding our corporate globalist media to account for what they haven't reported which they now know to be truth which they reported uh is falsehood uh the truths they deny the falsehoods they have projected into the body of public knowledge in this country lou you know why you know better than anyone else why that that is because they were as much of a guilty conspirator in Russiagate, they being the mainstream media, the corporate media, the fake news mafia, whatever you want to call them. They were the ones that partnered with the FBI, the New York Times, CNN, Politico, and all the other garbage reporting. They were the ones we found out who were in the FISA applications, who were doing the circular reporting that when the FBI said, oh, look, of course he's a Russian asset. This is what this paper is reporting. Let's include this in our FISA application as if that was ever the procedure that I followed when I was a terrorism prosecutor, writing out FISAs to go manhunt terrorists. They hijacked the national security apparatus along with the mainstream media, willingly invited them in to FBI headquarters, which is another reason FBI headquarters needs to be abolished, and then utilized that to continue to spy on a president of the United States sitting that was signed off on not once, not twice, not three times, four times for separate occasions you had four attorney generals <coughs> excuse me four directors of the fbi and of course the likes of james baker another corrupt government uh, gangster who we now know was the most corrupt guy at the fbi and now twitter um signing off on said fisa warrants and going to his friends and this is a key that most people don't know james baker when he was the general counsel the number one lawyer at the fbi who was the basically the author of these fisa warrant applications against donald trump called his pals in the media and said, hey, look what we're working on. Wouldn't it be nice if you guys put out some reporting to that effect based on anonymous sources? And who writes the articles that were cited in the FISA? James Baker's very friends in the media. Do you think that's a coincidence? And of course the media will be like, where's the proof? And uh, all you have to do is look at who James Baker hangs out with and then ask yourself, how did those articles get in the FISA application? It's not a coincidence. There are no coincidences in government, especially with these corrupt government gangsters. And because they were in on it, that's the reason these people like Gina Haspel and Rod Rosenstein got glorified in the media, because they were in it with the media to get Trump and take him out at all costs. And that, you know, the CIA uh, escapade with me going over there is just one minute example of that. And as I said uh, before, all these people are rewarded because 
let me just lay this out in the next 30 seconds. Do can you I, know can where I interject just for a second? Yeah. Because a lot of people are not going to have uh, resources. I just want you to, to if you will, uh, specify who it was that you're referring to that James Baker hangs out with. Oh, yeah. The, uh, there was an article. Uh, David Korn was one of those guys. And this is mm -hmm. all public now. It's in the FISA application. David Korn's article right. is in the FISA application. That's his pal. And there was one other article um, uh, in Yahoo News, and I'm forgetting the author. I'm sorry, Lou, off the top of my head, but it's in the same FISA that's now very public. It's also all in the Nunes memo, if you want the four-page cheat sheet. Um, right. And these were people that all, that all basically patted themselves on the back. And the kicker is the people that were leading these institutions, the Rays, the Rosensteins, the Haspels. Let me just throw out one of the most disgusting facts I can possibly think of. Chris Ray was a partner at King and Spalding, one of the biggest law firms in the country before he became FBI director. Rod Rosenstein is now a partner at King and Spalding, one of the largest law firms in the country after getting booted from government because of his role in Russiagate. Do you know who is the national security advisor for King and Spalding today? Gina Haspel. This is a rotating swamp of disgustingness that needs to be blown up. That's just one example. It's no coincidence. The three people that orchestrated the, and executed the cover-up for Russiagate are making tens of millions of dollars at the very same law firm. Uh, it, it is remarkable. And the Democrats, the Marxist Dems, seem to be much better at uh, creating association, yes. post-government service, if you will, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, than the Republicans. And they create powerful law firms that are dedicated to the Democrat. Uh, let me give them the credit they deserve, the Marxist Dem Party. <laughs> uh, and it is what they've become. Uh, they are a party of subversion. Uh, they are a party that is intent uh, upon literally, uh, fundamentally transforming the United States. Uh, and Obama's promises are being fulfilled by Biden's uh, administration. Truly mm -hmm. the third term, perhaps a fourth to come, but a third term uh, of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, this is what they want. This this is what these people, these these corrupt bureaucrats in the mainstream media want. They want a way to extend the Obama, Obama presidency. And right now it's with Joe Biden. And look, my, my money is this guy's going to decide to run again and give and try for an Obama third and fourth term here. And if they don't get it from him, they'll get it from somebody else. Uh, they'll run whoever, Gavin Newsom out of California um, or whatever other person thinks they, I mean, I guess until two weeks ago, Alfred Newman, aka Pete Buttigieg had a chance, but he showed you what he can do in South Bend and transportation. Um, so they'll find someone else, somebody else will come around. But here's the mission, Lou, and you're, you're leading the charge. This is, this is what I tell people when I go around the country. I'm like, cut off, and this is what I say on stage, stop watching TV. Because if you're, if you're watching TV, you're being lied to. And you're getting, not news, you're getting partisan commentary. Turn on the Lou Dobbs show or pick 10 other shows like the Lou Dobbs shows that will give you the hard, unvarnished facts. So you as Americans can take that to the booths, take that to your friends, take that um, to the streets where it matters on election day. And I'm hearing more and more people do that. Lou, I don't do mainstream media anymore. I really don't. I'm not on those channels. I haven't been on those channels in say five months, but I haven't had more receptivity in, than ever before in the, since in the last five months, um, because You're, more and more people I see just pay attention to shows like yours, which is um, it's 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 heartening to see that. 
Well, it is, and it's important economically as well, because we are watching the corporate globalist media, uh, their entities, whether it be ABC News, whether it be CNN, whatever the mm-hmm. the name, uh, the the brand, uh, they're they're in real trouble. Uh, the money is just not coming in. They are being the marketplace is working right now. Legacy global corporate media is getting killed uh, by the audience, uh, and it's it's happening everywhere, uh, and, and that is a mm-hmm. hopeful sign as well. I want to ask you a couple of questions here as as uh, as we begin to wrap up. Uh, there you are. Uh, there is uh, Devin Nunes, the chair of the House and Intelligence Committee. Y- you have this document, uh, and, and you can't get it out. I mm. guess the question is, why not? It's oh, simple. It's, it, it goes back to the top of the show. These people, these government gangsters, Rod Rosenstein, Chris Ray, Gina Haspel, and the like, and there's a slew of others, were were blocking and tackling and using the government apparatus to throw up deflection after deflection. And you saw what they did. I mean, Lou, you know this now. And I only found out a week and a half ago. The DOJ issued subpoenas for my personal information as the senior staffer on the House Intelligence Committee in 2017. They to spy on myself and Devin Nunes at the very time, the very month, we were writing the Nunes memo and we were breaking the backs of, of, of their falsehoods by exposing that the DNC had paid for the seal dossier and other things. The DOJ and FBI spied on me to get to Devin and other staffers. And we broke that story just the other week. Right. And that's why we were being stopped because of people like that who are in government to not serve the mission, but to make sure their egos were glorified at the expense of true people who are serving the mission like me and Devin. What would have happened if you had just simply put that memo out and uh, whether it's in the hands of Gina Haspel or whomever, what would have happened if you just simply stepped toward the microphone and the cameras and said, this is what's at at issue? Wow. Um, It would have been very powerful. And remember, even though we put out the Nunes memo, there's still a significant separate memo that was never released because Gina Haspel specifically blocked it. And I think that's the one you're talking about. And it relates right. to Russiagate. And what would have happened is you would have seen um, a, even more, if this was a, <laughs> actually possible, I didn't think it was, but you would have seen even more government corruption and interference to defeat a duly elected president based on falsehoods and lies because they didn't like their commander in chief. And you would have seen the intel community in bed with the likes of the media, just like the FBI was, and they were what, in bed with the Democratic Party. What was that document called? Uh, we just called it the, uh, what? Oh, man, I think it was just the annex. We actually didn't have another fancy name for right. it. It was just the annex to the, to the, to the, to the Nunes memo and the Russiagate investigation report. Um, that was, that was, it was, we put 2000 man hours on it. It was impressively done by experts. It had hardened facts and data behind it. And that's why Gina Haspel didn't want it out. She didn't want it out. She denied the president of the United States and uh, resisted, resisted. She defied a presidential order mm-hmm. uh, because in the last few days, and I, I, it's no secret that uh, John Solomon and I were uh, both working very hard to mm-hmm. make certain that that, uh, that document got out. 
and uh, the president, despite uh, his best uh, his best intent, uh, his direct order was defied by mm -hmm. Gina Haspel uh, and the deep state. Why could uh, could you not have stood with you know? And by the way, I'm not suggesting that in any way uh, that there was another avenue, but it mm. seems like what we could have done differently had the president in demanded stood up and said, "Come hell or high water, folks, this is the unvarnished truth, and here it is, and let the you know devil take the hindmost." You're right. And, and that's the road that I guess in retrospect, we should have taken, you know, well, you know, I guess the fault lay with me and Devin and the like, because we were guys who uh, went to government to, to serve and follow the rules. I guess we could have done what the FBI, DOJ, CIA and the fake news media did and broken every rule in the laws or Adam Schiff and leaked classified information or his buddy Spang Spang Swallow. But, you know, we we still had a core belief in the mission. Um, and a core belief to follow the rules. And we tried to do it and we thought we could get there following the rules. And we thought if we could do it that way, then we could show the deep state actors, the government gangsters that got in our way. And uh, we came up short on that appendix memo and that annex memo and a couple other things that you, you, know, you, were, you guys were all working on. Because at the end of the day, President Trump wanted transparency. And, and look, he could have put it out. And I think he felt the same way. He said, instead of me singularly putting out, let's let it go through the system. So then at the end, everybody can say, this is the unvarnished truth, and we put it out properly. Yeah, I, and, and by the way, when I'm asking these questions and, and suggesting the president could have just stood there as he did so many times, yeah. uh, I, I, I want to acknowledge that uh, I will speak only for myself. I, too, could have stood there and said uh, the government right now is in possession of documents that will, in point of fact, reveal all uh, the uh, the corruption uh, that is the deep state uh, and the uh, the opposition resistance and outright assault on a president of the United States. I didn't do it either. Uh, in retrospect, I wish like hell I had. <laughs> Me too, Lou. Me too, man. It was we were there were few of us fighting for the transparency and the sex, success of this nation. There were too many coming at us to uh to defeat us um and um you know hopefully next time we will be we will have learned the lesson and we will have more of an army behind us and i think we'll have a different president trump uh mindset behind us well i'll tell you i hope that uh we have uh, we have whittled down this uh deep state to a considerably smaller operation right now it's pervasive it is uh boundless in its power uh, and when a cia can defy the president of the United States, mm -hmm. who is it that the CIA will obey? No one. Not under President Trump. And that's what we have to be ready for. And that's what, you know, we didn't get into it, but that's what this Congress, you know, we're talking about these documents. There's certain Republicans that, can, that have access to these documents and they can go put them out for the American people and not just those documents. I mean, we're going to see, man, we are going to see the whistleblower stuff come out. We're going to see the Ray Epps stuff come out, the Jan 6 doc. All these documents need to make a steady and slow um, public appearance constant over the next year. So the American public is armed with the truths so that when we get this campaign going in full gear, we are shown to have operated by the rules and have obeyed the American people's mission of the national security of this country. And we'll show the partisan hacks for who they are with Adam Schiff and company and the government gangster that we talked about in the mainstream media. So we got a lot of work left to do, Lou. And 
I know you'll be leading the charge and I'll be following in that wake, but um, I think we're going to get more people um, on, on, on mission on point this time around. Well, I think you're exactly right. Uh, and to, uh, to your point, uh, just breaking is the Justice Department's uh, concealing 400 pages of sensitive documents that apparently <laughs> will lay bare the payoffs and gifts to Hunter and Jim Biden from China, from Russia, from Ukraine, and God knows only how many more countries. Uh, mm -hmm. And the Department of Justice, after acknowledging the records exist, uh, they now are claiming they're not relevant uh, trying to bury them in every way they can. <laughs> and we'll be following that, obviously, here, taking it up uh, uh, in uh, future podcasts. Cash, I just uh, want to just say thank you uh, sincerely for all that you have done for this country and for being with us here today. Uh, and this, we always give our guests the, the final word. Uh, your concluding thoughts, if you will, sir. Well, Lou, it's an honor. I'm glad I opened up 2023 with you. I couldn't think of a better partner to to get our American public educated with the facts, which is the only thing you and I have ever cared about. And um, I'm humbled to do this. And um, I'm happy to announce, Lou, if you, if you let me, for the, the first time Please. ever formally, my adult book, Government Gangsters, is on pre-sale on Amazon. And if the government, if the government itself ever lets go of the manuscript and allows it to be released, we'll hopefully have it out come March, but you can get your copy right now on pre-sale on Amazon government gangsters, where I tell you how to dismantle the deep state, call out the government gangsters by name and show you that there is a solution that exists to save the agencies and departments that are vested with so much power in our country. And uh, we'll be, we'll be pounding the road in 2023 with you, Lou. <laughs> Well, you got a deal, and we'll be uh, we'll be hawking your book, uh, a book, by the way, that I I couldn't imagine being better named, uh, <laughs> the, the government gangsters. It, it's a, a statement of the problem, a, a statement of uh, uh, the book's contents, and uh, what we should all be working against in this country, beginning right now. Cash Patel, his new book is Government Gangsters, and we thank you for being with us, Cash. Thanks again, and God bless you. Happy New Year. Thanks, Lou. God bless. Happy New Year. Cash Patel, his new book, available for pre-order now, is Government Gangsters. That's Government Gangsters by Cash Patel. He's run into more than a few of those government gangsters in his time. Coming out soon, so please order yours now. Thanks for being with us, and please join us this week. Our guests include Brent Bozell, Congressman Matt Rosendale, and... Congressman Scott Perry. Thanks for being with us. Please join us here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and may God bless America.